Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Supreme Cannabis Company, Inc. Second Quarter Fiscal 2021 Results Conference Call. Listeners are reminded that certain matters discussed in today's conference call or answers that may be given to questions asked should constitute forward-looking statements that are subject to risks and uncertainties relating to Supreme Cannabis's future financial or business performance. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in these forward-looking statements. The risk factors that may affect results are detailed in Supreme Cannabis's annual information form and other periodic filings with registration statements. Certain non-GAAP measures referred to in this call, including but not limited to adjusted EBITDA and adjusted gross margin, can be found in the company's MDNA for the three and six months ended December 31st, 2020. You can access these documents at CEDAR's database found at CEDAR.com. I'd like to remind everyone that this conference is being recorded today, Friday, February 12, 2021. I would now like to introduce Ms. Bina Goldenberg, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Supreme Cannabis Company, Inc. Please go ahead, Ms. Goldenberg. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. On the call with me today is Nikhil Handa, our Chief Financial Officer. We released our fiscal 2021 second quarter results after markets closed yesterday. You can access our news release, as well as our complete financial statements and management's discussion and analysis on our website at www.supreme.ca. Our news release, financial statements, and MDNA have also been filed on CDAR. On today's call, we'll discuss the financial results for the three-month period ended December 31, 2020, and provide a general business update. We will then open the call for questions from analysts. On our two previous earnings calls, I've outlined the steps we've taken to transform Supreme Cannabis into a leading CPG company in the cannabis sector. Central to this transformation are two strategic imperatives, accelerating revenue, particularly in the recreational market, and optimizing the business, including exercise good cost control. The results from the second quarter of fiscal 2021 demonstrated that our strategy is working on both fronts, and we are on the right path. Supreme Cannabis had an outstanding Q2 2021. It continued to build on the distribution gains, improve fulfillment processes, and market penetration we saw in the back half of Q1 to achieve record consolidating net revenue of $18.3 million, a 54% increase quarter over quarter. With our realignment and restructuring of our business complete, more of our sales growth and operating efficiencies are being reflected in the bottom line. As a result, we generated a record positive adjusted EBITDA of $3.6 million, our second consecutive quarter of positive adjusted EBITDA. While Nikhil will speak more on Supreme's financial results later in the call, I wanted to highlight the tremendous growth we saw in our recreational revenue. As I mentioned earlier, accelerating our recreational revenue is a major focus for the company, and we continue to build traction and market penetration in the second quarter, growing our rec revenue by 70% quarter over quarter. There were a number of factors that contributed to this. 
a strengthening of our internal fulfillment processes, which allowed us to better match supply and demand, increased distribution gains achieved through our sales partnership with Humble and Few, and strong performance from our brands as we continue to gain traction and market share with cannabis consumers. According to headset data for Q2, Supreme Cannabis is a top 10 LP with a 3% market share. In the flower segment, Seven Acres moved up from 9th to 7th overall rank and maintains the highest retail price per gram of the top 10 LPs, demonstrating that consumers recognize and are willing to pay for the quality of the offering. In the pre-roll segment, Seven Acres moved into 5th position overall with a 3.7% market share up from 12th rank and 2.4% share a quarter ago. We also gained significant market share during Q2 in 2.0 products, as Supreme Concentrates moved from the number six spot to number three, with a 9% share up from 4.4% last quarter, while we became the number one packed vape in Canada. In the second quarter, our partnership with Humble and Pune continued to drive growth in new listings. Through this partnership, Humble and Pune deploys a team of sales professionals across the country that drive distribution, brand advocacy, and bud tender education for all Supreme Cannabis brands at store level. Since they began tracking new listings in April, Humble and Pune has created more than 7,300 new listings for Supreme Cannabis products. In Q2 2021, they added 3,446 new listings and 246 new retailers started carrying Supreme Cannabis products, both increases over the gains we made last quarter. Overall, we shipped to all 10 provinces in Q2 with Quebec, BC, Alberta, and Ontario, making up the majority of our sales. Our Truvera brand was also very active in the second quarter and continues to be an important brand in our portfolio. In Q2, we made our fourth shipment of medical cannabis to Breath of Life Pharma in Israel, and we have seen consecutive growth in volume for each shipment. This is a long-term partnership that we hope will continue to strengthen moving forward. On our last call, I mentioned that we plan to add additional wholesale medical partners in various international jurisdictions. I'm pleased to say that we executed on this. At the end of the quarter, we expanded our international medical cannabis sales by completing our first shipment to Australia in a private label transaction. Domestically, we announced in Q2 that we entered into a supply agreement with Shoppers Drug Mart to offer Truvera branded medical cannabis products through their Medical Cannabis by Shoppers online sales platform. I am pleased to announce that as of this week, Truvera dried flower and pre-roll products are available to purchase on Shoppers platform with full-spectrum CBD oil coming soon. Turning now to our operations, with construction at our facilities complete, we continue to focus on optimization and efficiency, both in our products and processes. At King Carden facility, the team has continued to optimize growing conditions and have had success in reducing harvest times and finding efficiencies in drying times. The facility was able to improve yields by 3.6%, and achieved a 6% decrease in time from clone to dock. The Concardon team has also significantly improved its labeling processes and are commissioning a second pre-roll label machine. The continuous improvement program at our Langley facility in British Columbia is also yielding positive results. We have made progress in improving the quality of our Blisco Purdue oil through carbon filtration. 
Also through optimization of the distillation process, we have seen the potency of our vape distillates increase by 7%. In our operational update last quarter, I had mentioned that Langley had also developed and planned to release a Blisco Pure Cloud CBD vape in a ceramic 510 cartridge. This product hit the market subsequent to quarter end in January 2021. Before I pass the call on to Nikhil, I do want to speak briefly about the current market dynamics in light of lockdowns of the retail cannabis stores in January and February associated with the second wave of COVID-19. While some of the stores are offering click and collect or delivery services, foot traffic has been restricted. Due to these restrictions, we see softened industry demand and expect sales in Q3 to reflect this headwind. But we view this as temporary. We look forward to regaining momentum in March as stores reopen. We will continue to monitor the lockdown situations as well as our sales and marketing efforts and will optimize our in-store marketing spend accordingly. Subsequent to quarter end, we saw that OCS reduced their offerings province-wide as part of their category review process. While this review did affect a few of Supreme's low volume or already delisted SKUs, we view this as an overall benefit for the company as it ensures that some of our most popular, best-selling SKUs will be available in more points of distribution. I am extremely proud of the progress we made this quarter on executing against both of our major strategic initiatives. As we continue our transformation into a premium cannabis CPG company, we know that there is more work to be done. We remain committed to continuous improvement and will keep offering compelling brands and high-quality products at several points of value and preference. The future looks bright for Supreme Cannabis. Now, Nikhil will discuss the financial results for the quarter, and then I will return to discuss Outlook and take questions. Over to you, Nikhil. Thank you, Bina, and good morning, everyone. As Bina mentioned, we made excellent progress in the second quarter of 2021 on executing our strategy of growing revenue and market share while optimizing operations with the goal of achieving sustainable profitability. In Q2 2021, the company's overall net revenue increased by 54% to $18.3 million, compared to $11.9 million in Q1 2021. This was a result of significant growth in recreational cannabis sales, as well as a contribution from wholesale and medical international sales. Recreational net revenue increased to $12.7 million in Q2, up 70% compared to Q1. Our products continue to be well-received by the recreational cannabis consumer, especially our core seven acres dried flower and pre-rolls, which contributed the majority of our recreational sales growth in the quarter. As it relates to dried cannabis products, sales volumes increased by 98%. Average selling price per gram for the company's dried flour and pre-rolls also increased 3%. The recreational sales channel accounted for 69% of net sales in Q2, an increase from 63% in the previous quarter. Wholesale net revenue in Q2 was $5.6 million, up 28% quarter over quarter. Wholesale and international medical sales volumes were 2,512 kilograms, up 12% compared to Q1, while the average selling price was up 14% from Q1. This increase in kilograms is the result of increased volumes of medical cannabis shipped to Breath of Life Pharma in Israel and increased volumes from existing domestic channels. As we look ahead, we expect delays in our Q3 shipment to Israel 
given recent regulatory changes. We're working in partnership with Breath of Life and the Israeli regulators to fulfill all regulatory requirements. We are focused on continuing to provide high-quality medical cannabis to Israeli consumers given the strong demand we've seen for this product. Now, the company's gross margin in Q2 was 49% on an adjusted basis, compared to 53% in Q1. Adjusted gross margin was slightly lower in Q2 than in Q1 due to product mix and higher production costs from scaling operations and operational investments in supply chain processes. Going forward, we expect margin to normalize slightly lower next quarter as we continue to invest in the aforementioned operational improvements and bring in some additional CPG expertise. To put things in wider perspective, while slightly lower than Q1, the gross margin for Q2 is significantly improved from Q4 2020, when it was 41%, and Q3 2020, when it was 37%. And we continue to expect to have improved gross margin relative to these historical periods. Moving over to our operating expenses, the operating expenses were relatively flat quarter over quarter. We had $6.8 million in Q2 of operating expenses on a cash basis compared to $6.9 million in Q1. Both quarters benefited from the cost savings due to the realigned and right-sized operating model that has delivered substantial cost savings to the company. Similarly, our capital expenditures decreased to $300,000 in Q1. Down tw- sorry, in Q2, down 25% compared to Q1 2021. And with the completion of construction projects at the company's Kincardin and Langley facilities, capital expenditures for the remainder of fiscal 2021 are expected to be minimal and will be focused on productivity enhancements justified by near-term cash flow returns. Now, moving over to EBITDA, Supreme's Cannabis significantly increased revenue performance and consistent cost discipline resulted in a positive adjusted EBITDA of $3.6 million, which is a record for the company. This marks the second consecutive quarter of positive adjusted EBITDA, with the company generating a positive adjusted EBITDA of $300,000 the previous quarter. Notably, Supreme was also break-even on a cash flow from operations basis this quarter. We expect to continue to deliver positive adjusted EBITDA by continuing to focus on near-term revenue growth with a continued emphasis on our production costs and operating expenses. Turning to the balance sheet, Supreme Cannabis's balance sheet remains strong, demonstrating that we have the current resources available to settle all our current liabilities and are fully funded to execute on all of our planned initiatives for the balance of the fiscal year. Subsequent to quarter end, we took steps to significantly reinforce Supreme Cannabis's balance sheet by increasing liquidity. First, Supreme Cannabis raised $21.5 million in net proceeds from an overnight marketed offering of 121 million units. We also issued approximately 21.6 million shares for proceeds of approximately $4.2 million through our at-the-market equity issuance program. This ATM program is currently on pause. Including the equity issuances subsequent to quarter end from the offering and the ATM program, the company had a pro forma total cash balance of $41.9 million. These were prudent transactions that solidified our financial position. We've always been open to opportunistic equity raises and took the decision to raise money given the constructive market backdrop 
even though we didn't need it immediately. We believe the incremental capital will allow us to do two things. First of all, strengthen our balance sheet and provide us liquidity for any type of macro risks that we cannot forecast. Second of all, it gives us greater optionality. We're in a high growth industry and we want to be ready to take advantage of opportunities when they come. That being said, we've spent the last 12 months demonstrating that we are prudent stewards of capital and will only deploy capital where we can create shareholder value and where it's in the best interest of all stakeholders. We remain focused on generating long-term value for our shareholders and we will continue to take all the steps necessary to ensure the most efficient use of our capital structure to support value creation in the long term. Thank you, and I'd like to return the call back to Bina. Thanks, Nikhil. Supreme Cannabis enters the second half of fiscal 2021 in a significantly stronger position, both operationally and financially. We are well positioned to grow our product offerings and market share. We are also well-funded to grow organically and have the resources to capitalize on accretive strategic opportunities as they arise. I look forward to updating you throughout the year on our progress. I also want to thank our shareholders for their support and continued interest in Supreme Cannabis. This concludes our formal presentation. Thank you. I'd like to open the line for analyst questions. Thank you. At this time, we will be conducting our question and answer session. In order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a brief moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Andrew Parthenow with Stiefel GMP. Andrew, your line is open. Hi, thank you, and uh, congrats on the impressive quarter, everybody. Thank you. Um, I wanted to maybe just talk about, uh, you know, your average pricing. It's been, you know, very robust and kind of an outlier in the industry. How has uh, your value priced offerings performed and, and affected mix, if you could give a little bit of color there? Sure. Thank you, Andrew. Um, so there's no question that our pricing has uh solidified and, and maintained uh, at, at the levels coming out of last quarter. And that's really the focus of our seven acres uh, portfolio. It's a strong brand and consumers do recognize the value that seven acres, uh, the, the quality that seven acres represents and are willing to pay for it. Um, we did launch into the value segment uh, with our highway brand. We entered that market with a, a hash offering as opposed to going in immediately with flour. Um, and that has really seen some tremendous growth. We've become uh, the number two player in the hash and the concentrate markets with our highway hash in certain markets. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, so that's, um, you know, the mix impact. We will see our Highway 14 gram. We launched into that market in the second quarter, and we will see the impact of that um, moving forward. But again, it's a small portion of our portfolio. Um, as I mentioned on the call, our seven acres moved up in the overall flower rank to uh, you know number seven overall, and our seven acres pre-rolled moved up to number five overall. So while seven acres um, will continue to drive our, our pricing, um, we will see some mixed impact as we uh, build out our portfolio on our highway brand. Thanks for that. Uh, definitely good to see. Um, and then maybe shifting gears, you know, thinking about the future and, and how you guys are going to be developing 
uh, you know, the seven acres going forward. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, your R&D programs to remain at the forefront of innovation and and your state, your strain development program in particular? Yes, sure. Um, actually, uh, we're very excited about um, the, our moving forward plans. As you all know, we launched into the Craft Collective program um, over the last several quarters, and that uh, brought in some new strains and really um, in limited drops that helped build out the ethos of our Seven Acres brand, high quality, and actually realized higher pricing in the marketplace, and really focused on that uh, cannabis enthusiast. So Craft Collective helped build that in, but in the same time, we um, continued to look at building out our R&D program and uh, bringing in some new genetics. We are excited to announce that we will have a couple new uh, strains for our Seven Acres core lineup that we will be introducing in the back half of this year. So the program continues to build. Um, we are looking, obviously, at products that meet the current consumer expectation at higher THC, but also high terpene levels. That is what Seven Acres stands for, having great flavor and great aroma on top of the, the potency. So um, our program continues. We look forward to building that out further um, and supplementing it while we continue to support microcultivators with our craft collective program. Thanks very much for that. Uh, I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Graham Kreindler with 8 Capital. Graham, your line is open. Hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my questions, and congratulations on the quarter here. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, with, with recent chatter regarding Ontario um, and, and the distributor there looking to move towards a, a tighter list of core SKUs and looking for, for higher fill rates and in-stock rates, I was wondering how you, how you interpret that for what it means for the company moving forward particularly given the press release called out that you know, Ontario was one of the um, more material provinces for revenue in the quarter. Um, how, you, how you look at that for your competitive positioning and what that means for, uh, moving forward. Thank you. Thank you, Graham. Uh, great question. Um, you know, we went through the OCS uh, category review process. Um, we didn't lose any SKUs in, um, and the ones that we did, we were already working on um, delisting or updating with better performing SKUs. So, um, but what was really good about that program was we had uh, a couple of our highest performing SKUs move into their core lineup, uh, which means it'll get put out in broader distribution. And yes, the expectation is that you are able to deliver, you know, the 100% service level on those core SKUs. As we've talked about over the last two quarters, we're, we have been working on building the maturity into our processes in terms of matching supply and demand. We had some challenges on order fulfillment early in Q1. We've addressed those and feel confident with our newly built processes that we could ensure that we deliver to the service level's expectation and continue to have products in stock and available for consumers as they want them. Thanks for the caller there, Bina. And just to follow up, um, with respect to those fulfillment issues that, that you've worked through, were those more upstream in terms of trying to match some of the strains or cultivars um, or, or potency to the end product, or was that more downstream with respect to processing, packaging, things like that? Thanks. 
Um, sure. I, I think we'll start off by saying really the fulfillment issues in Q1 started from uh, the challenges we had with labor as a result of the COVID-19 restrictions in the spring and getting labor back into our facility. Um, and so it did involve uh, some of the packaging um, and, and lining up the products to get them out on time and in full. Um, you know, as well, we continue to add new SKUs into our portfolio. So we added some complexity that needed to be, that we needed to build processes around that were stronger, that we would ensure that we could meet those needs. So that was the work that was done. Um, you know, we obviously brought back in more labor into our facility to help us uh, get on top of it and continue to build it out. So um, I'm, I'm more confident in our order fulfillment. Um, is it all the way there? Not just yet, but we're getting there and we continue to mature our processes and continue to work through. It, like you said, look, if there's complexity because there's strains that you have to deliver against and formats, and now we have multiple brands. So, um, but, you know, it's all about getting the right processes behind. Understood. Thank you. And then my last question here, uh, Nikhil mentioned in the in the prepared remarks about the uh, the gross margin and the expectations heading in, into the near term. When we think about that over the medium to longer term with the company increasing its scale, um, generating a bigger top line number, um, what what's the company's view on the the extent of which the economies of scale um, there can be leveraged or are we looking, you know, at a gross margin this quarter where, you know, that, that really exploits a lot of those scale advantages with respect to, you know, the quantum of how gross margin could trend um, over the medium to long term? Thank you very much. Thank you. Nikhil, why don't I pass that one over to you? Thanks, and thanks for the question, Graham. So if I'm understanding you correctly, understanding whether or not there could be gross margin expansion relative to the what I was saying is likely a slightly lower gross margin next quarter in the medium to long term? Uh, more with respect to the gross margin levels that we've seen um, in the current reported quarter here. Yeah, so I, I think there's a, a few things um, to think about. So first of all, economies of scale, it'll definitely be step functions. We can see some benefit that uh, attributes to gross margin on, in terms of production costs. Um, but at the same time, there will be impacts on product mix. Uh, as we mentioned, for instance, about the highway brand. And I think as Vina had mentioned, while we have address some of the recent issues with fulfillment, it's a constant evolution. We're constantly looking at how to properly scale the operations and investing in supply chain processes in different areas where we, where we want to uh, strengthen our expertise. Um, so there will be periods, I think, where you'll see some reflection of that in the gross margin through certain step functions. But I think on a more medium to long-term basis, it'll normalize uh, slightly lower than where we are today. Okay, understood. Thank you very much for that. And as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Rahul Sarugasar with Raymond James. Rahul, your line is open. Uh, good morning, uh, Dean and Nikhil. Uh, I'd like to reiterate uh, a huge congratulations on the quarter. Uh, really, really impressive. And thanks for including my question in the lineup. Um, so my first question really is, you answered a little bit, but maybe we can drill a little bit deeper. So, you know, the story over the last little, you know, last few quarters in the sector has really been about the deep value segment. But now with, you know, the, I guess, maybe emergence of 
um, or reemergence of the premium segment. How do you see uh, the market now potentially, you know, really giving uh, space for the premium segment? And how do you think that portends for, uh, you know, your growth uh, in, in the upcoming quarters? Well, thank you so much for the question. Um, so, so here's what, um, I, and I believe I said this last quarter as well, the market will evolve back to um, premium uh, segment from the value because like every other category in the CPG industry, while you will have people looking for value offerings, um, you know, there will be people who recognize uh, the quality and, and want to get the quality product. And, and, you know, our Seven Acres brand absolutely focuses on that more enthusiast, the one who's willing to pay more for getting that quality experience. What we think we've seen, if you look at what's happened to a lot of those value um, offerings that came out and, and took such a large per, uh, percent of the category over the last couple of quarters, is that the repeat purchase isn't there, um, not necessarily at the same level as the original purchases, and that's because the quality wasn't delivering to them. Um, so, so I do think they're going to get uh, this um, evolution of the market where you're going to have a premium segment, and we feel really comfortable with our seven acres brand in that segment, um, as well as uh, topping it off with our craft collectives. So continuing to upscale, and we feel good about that. I mean, there will always be a value segment, as there is in every other category, which is why we launched our highway brand. We want to have products that meet that consumer uh, expectation as well. But we're really comfortable with where Seven Acres is positioned in terms of our top ranking and continued growth in that segment. Terrific. Thanks so much, Vina. And then just sort of uh, as a follow-up, um, and then uh, maybe focusing down south, of course, you know, anyone in the sector uh, has seen, you know, what's, what's been what's the evolution of um, appreciation of, of cannabis stocks in, in, in the U.S. Um, and now with the impending pass through the SAFE Act and, and, and broader legislation, um, you know, is there a, anything that you can share about uh, your U.S. strategy? So, so at this point, um, our focus is really has been and will continue to be in building out our business in the Canadian market um, as we do not currently have any optionality in uh, the U.S. Um, we do have some business internationally, as we've talked about Israel and Australia, and we'll continue to look at places where we could build um, opportunistically in a more capitalite way in international markets. But our focus at this point is really in the domestic market, establishing our brands, and uh, really building out. Now, you know, longer term, um, as Nikhil said, you know, we were able to do the equity raise, and you know, we will look at strategic opportunities as they arise. Um, certainly, there's a backdrop. There's no question from the U.S. Um, changes, both the Democratic Party and the the hopes of legalization down across the U.S. market, and you see that buoyancy across all cannabis stocks. Um, and so, you know, we, we are happy that we're part of a um, segment that, or a sector that has that renewed interest. Um, and we're happy that when people come on board, they could read and hear about the cannabis story, uh, sorry, the Supreme story. So, you know, as we build out and establish ourselves in Canada, um, we're proud of what we've been able to accomplish here. But as of today, we have no um, uh, real plans in the U.S. Splendid, splendid. Thank you very much uh, again for taking my questions. Thank you. 
Your next question comes from the line of Jesse Pitlock with Cormark Securities. Jesse, your line is open. Good morning. Um, just just on the wholesale side of things, uh, in the MDNA, you kind of mentioned some increased predictability there. Uh, you know, is, it, is this kind of a situation that's just started to materialize, or has, has visibility or predictability predictability uh, improved relative to where it was maybe three or six months ago? So, uh, thank you for the question. Um, I think our B2B business strategy has changed over the course of the last, um, I would say, nine months. Um, and where we were historically just looking at opportunistic ways to move out um, inventory and taking spot prices, and typically you saw the shipments move out at the end of each quarter. Um, we changed that strategy to a more longer-term approach we want more predictable, more repeatable business. Um, so it's uh, forging deeper partnerships with certain um, uh, other uh, businesses where we can get forecasts so we could match supply and demand, provide them the service they're looking for on the strains they're looking for, while um, making sure we have, a, you know, again, a more predictable uh, B2B offering in the domestic market. And then, of course, internationally, we are obviously building those longer-term partnerships where, again, we're building the forecasts into our model so that we have the supply available to meet that demand. Okay. And then just as a, as a follow-up on the international medical shipments, how should we maybe be thinking about the cadence of how that would progress here? Right. So as Nikhil made the comments um, in the formal section of uh, today's call, um, you know, we've had four consecutive orders to Israel um, for the last four quarters, um, and each one has grown in volume. So things are really building in our relationship with Breath of Life. Um, we did run into the same issue that many LPs have um, who shipped to Israel, where the Israeli regulators put in new uh, requirements. And, and we are working through those requirements, so we will likely see um, a miss over this quarter before we get ship, uh, product moving again into next quarter. We're working very carefully and uh, with Breath of Life, and uh, they are working with Israeli regulators because there is such a demand for the product, and they want to make sure their consumers have continuity of supply. So, you know, that's something that we're working through. Um, but beyond that, we'll continue to build out our international um, opportunities. We started to ship to Australia um, last quarter, and we'll continue to build out that relationship. And we're looking at uh, building out a relationship uh, down the road in Europe as well. So, again, capital light opportunities. We don't plan to have a facility um, in Europe, um, but we are looking to continue to build out based on the quality of the product we grow and get it into the hands of, um, to, of uh, consumers where we can. Thank you. I'll pass the line. And again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Andrew Parthenow with Stiefeld. Andrew, your line is open. Hi, and thanks for taking up uh, my follow-up question. Um, I just wanted to touch on uh, distribution, if I can, in the domestic rec market. Uh, you talked about, you know, 246 new retailers carrying your products, um, you know, 7,300 total listings. Now, could you remind us, you know, first on the retail front, how many retailers now carry your products and 
how many more are you targeting if you could share any kind of internal targets there and um, you know the same for listings what's the potential uh, total number of listings uh, that you could have with your current product lineup just to get a sense of you know where you're at and and where you could go uh, thank you, Andrew. Um, good question, and I don't have all that data at my fingertips. So it is a follow-up I could get for you. Um, we do have very clear targets uh, for um, our relationship with Humble and Fume that we set up every quarter in terms of uh, build, revenue build. Uh, going into the year, our target was to hit 90% um, distribution across our retail coverage for our core lineup of SKUs. And then we started to build out new targets to get to our um, broader portfolio of SKUs with the goal of getting closer to that 90% by the end of the year on a select set of our next level of SKUs. So first core, then our stronger performing next uh, round of SKUs before we continue to build out the portfolio. But the exact numbers and targets I don't have at my fingertips, and that will have to be a follow-up. No worries. Thanks for taking my question, and, and congrats again on the great quarter. No problem. Thank you. If there are no further analyst questions, I will now turn the call back over to Bina for closing remarks. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, joining and participating in the call. We really appreciate your interest in Supreme Cannabis and look forward to um, talking to you again about our progress on the May call. Thank you, everybody, for joining today. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.